the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We are exploring 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 11 today in a message called Doctrines of Demons versus the Words of the Faith. We invite you to spend time with us next here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. As Christians, we should know our doctrine, what we believe and why. But do we know the doctrines of demons? Well, the Apostle Paul lays out for us in 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 11, the doctrines of demons versus the words of the faith. It's always good to know your enemy's playbook, and that's what we're looking at this week. Join us for today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Again, we are in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 12, in part 2 of our series called Doctrines of Demons versus the Words of the Faith. The Apostle Paul loved Jesus. He loved the Bible. He loved the church. And that's why he was always writing letters to the church. That's why he was always trying to encourage the churches. That is why he was always trying to expand the border of churches by preaching the gospel in places where the gospel had not been preached. And you can see by his writings that he was particularly concerned about the future of these churches because he knew they lived in a dangerous world. And he knew that even though he himself and the evangelists working with him planted these churches, It didn't mean they would avoid difficult times and threats and temptations throughout their lives. So Paul not only warns them about the harassment of the enemies outside the church, like apostate Judaism in the first century in the Roman Empire and its ungodly society, but he also more specifically warned them about what could happen from within. And he was always warning them about apostasy. And apostasy means to have a profession of faith in Christ and the Bible. And then for one reason or another, over time, to walk away from it. And to reject it entirely. We saw last week that you don't become apostate overnight. That you don't live the Christian life, at least externally, make a, a continued profession of faith, believe the right things, and then just wake up one morning and say, hmm, I think I'll become an apostate today. Apostasy, apostasy comes over time by negligence of duties, by beginning to be influenced by your culture, And to believe things that are not true. Those things may be little things at first. 
but then gradually there will be more things you will quit believing and other false things you start believing until you reject the faith altogether. That is what apostasy is. To walk away from Christ and the faith. And you can't do it accidentally, beloved. It is a deliberate and self-conscious action to move away from Christ. So Paul is warning them. Remember this from last week? He said, the Holy Spirit explicitly told me, his apostles, that throughout the future there will be people who will walk away from the Christian faith who once professed, and they will give in to deceitful spirits and to the doctrines of demons. They will think these new doctrines they believe are so intellectual and will make them so liked by the culture because the culture believes the same things. But Paul says what they believe is not the word of God. It originated in the pit of hell. And these false doctrines that these people are teaching them originated with demons themselves. But they're too blind and deceived to see it. Too proud of their own reason and intellect to see what they are now believing is from Satan himself. And he says in verse 2, these men who are teaching these things are hypocrites and liars whose consciences are seared as with a branding iron. That is, their consciences might bother them, but they would just disregard what their conscience was telling them. So they then seared their conscience so they became as hard as leather. And they could then sin in peace. And their conscience would no longer bother them. And what were the doctrines of demons that these men were preaching? They must have been something very serious to call them doctrines of demons, right? So in verse 3 he says, These men who teach doctrines of demons are one, forbidding the marriage, and two, advocating abstaining from foods. Pretty dangerous, right? Now, most people would think he was going to say something far worse than by saying these were doctrines of demons like denying, like denying the Trinity, denying the death of Christ as an atonement. And it very well may lead to that. <clears throat> these might be little things in the eyes of some. But Paul says these are the beginnings of apostasy. Once you start believing these things, all the dominoes are going to fall in that direction. And he said the terrible thing about these false teachers is that they forbid marriage and they advocate abstaining from foods. And remember last week I said, this is an old kind of asceticism. There was an asceticism in the early church in the Middle Ages and to today that has plagued the church. And it is based on the old pagan Greek philosophy called Neoplatonism. And Neoplatonism says that anything material or physical is bad and dirty. Anything that originates with the physical is bad and dirty. And the only thing that is good is spiritual. 
is contemplative and heavenly. That is what these people were saying. They were saying, getting married lowers yourself. It is more spiritual to just disregard your bodily needs and bodily functions. So uh, just go and live by yourself. But don't involve yourself in bodily drives and bodily functions. Don't eat food for enjoyment. Just eat food to survive. That idea came to the forefront in the monastic movement during the Middle Ages. And it came to the fore in pietism in the 16th century and on into today with fundamentalism. Fundamentalism that teaches there is something base and lowly and dirty about the body. And the only thing that is important is the soul and going to heaven when you die. Even though Paul said in Romans 12:1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice. So physical needs... Physical passions and drives are a part of our creation as human beings. Oh, they are to be controlled. They are to be governed. They are not to be given into randomly. But nevertheless, there is nothing dirty about physical, material things. And yet that is what men were telling people. You just need to be concerned with thinking about heaven and Going to heaven when you die. Don't get involved in the life of this world. After all, things like politics are ugly and Christians should not be involved. You've got to make money in your business, but don't enjoy making a profit. Anyone who is distracted by making profits is worldly. And you've got to sleep with your wife to continue the human race. But don't enjoy sleeping with her. Because that just shows that you, your hearts are not in the right place with God. <clears throat> so, these might seem like little things. But eventually, they will very, very may well lead to a person leaving the Christian faith altogether. Now, I talked about all this last Sunday. And if you weren't here... I would like to encourage you to get the sermon because the subtitle was Why I'm More Afraid of Preachers Than I Am of Muslims. Because we hear false preachers in the church today, and I'm not just talking about liberals. They're, of course, bad enough. I'm talking about preachers in evangelical and reformed churches who are caving in right and left to the issues of today, like cultural Marxism and critical race theory and socialism and the agenda of the LBG, LBGTQ <laughs> movement and other various things. People who never thought, I never thought, would cave into these things are caving in right and left. And once you cave in on these things, you will just keep on caving in more and more. Well, what is Paul's answer to these people? Paul's answer is based upon the trust, his trust in the Old Testament and the historical narratives of the first chapters of Genesis. Notice what he says first in verse 3. 
Men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods. The foods, by the way, were things like wine and meat. That if you're really going to be spiritual, you will not drink wine and you're not going to eat meat much. Now, is either of those still in fashion today? In fundamentalism, you have those many who believe wine drinking is sinful. You can't drink a drop. And there are those in the church who even try to make you feel guilty for eating meat. After all, you don't want to kill animals. Remember, they have feelings too. There was such a movement like this in Paul's day as well. And Paul said, that is a doctrine of demons requiring us not to eat meat or drink, in other words, abstaining from a godly institution, requiring us not to do what God requires and requiring us to do what God forbid. He said that leads to total apostasy and departure from the faith. Well, it starts out small, but it continually grows. So Paul says, here is how you deal with it. Here is how you refute such nonsense. Verse 3. Men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. For it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. So you see what Paul is doing. Paul is remembering what the first chapter of Genesis says. Every time God created something, he pronounced it good. And then at the end of creation week, he pronounced it all very good. All of those things in creation. And then Paul said, if someone comes along and says that material things and physical things are evil... They are really criticizing God. Because if he says these things are not evil, and that everything God created is good to this very day, every institution he created for man, every food he created for man is to eat and, what, and should not abstain from because we think it is basically evil. That is ridiculous, beloved. Now, someone asked me about this text. And he said, if everything that is created by God is good and to be partaken of, does that mean we can partake in drugs? Does that mean that we can take all of these little all these illegal drugs? After all, God's not forbidding the taking of drugs here. He said, everything he has created is good. Well, come on. God created rocks, but you don't eat rocks. He created, he, 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 he did not create poison, right? We don't eat poison. The point is, God is saying, everything that I have created for you to eat and to use is good. So don't reject anything in my creation because you think it's evil. Because it is not. Then someone asked, well, what about sin? Sin is evil. Didn't God create sin? No, because sin is not a created thing. You cannot hold a handful of sin. Sin is what happens 
in the heart. And it is a desire that shows itself in action, evil action. So everything in this created, entire created world, God created, and he pronounced it good, and it is to be gratefully shared in by all Christians. Now, notice how careful he is. Everything that, is, that God has created is not only to be shared in, but gratefully shared in, it says. Every time you sit down to a meal, whether it is in a restaurant or at home, thank God for it. What does not thank God for the food that it eats? Dogs. So you can go into a restaurant and you don't begin your meal with a, with a prayer. That is the way a dog would eat. Now, I have to admit, I am sometimes neglectful of this myself. But we are to enjoy God's blessing and eat what God has given us, grateful for everything that he has given us. Now, certainly there are those in a restaurant who will frown at you for praying over your meal because that is the culture that we live in. But Christians are going to enjoy all of God's institutions, all of God's created blessings, And they are going to be grateful for it because they know and believe the truth. And for someone to know and believe the truth is a way of simply describing a Christian. A Christian is someone who believes the one and only truth. Thy word is truth. And he knows that truth in that it has grabbed him and it holds him at the very core of his being. So Paul is saying, don't you Christians believe these pagans out there who are ascetic? You thank God for what God has given you. You receive these blessings just as you have received the truth and then sanctify your use of them by the means of the words of God and by prayer. Then when you use these blessings... When you enjoy the institution of marriage, when you drink your wine and eat your meat, not only thank God for them, but remember what scripture says and set your food apart for his purposes. Meals are not secular things, beloved. The Christian life is not just basically praying, reading the Bible, going to church and such things. And meals, just simply meals. In the Christian faith, meals are very special. There's nothing secular about them. They are very religious and very spiritual. How many of Jesus' parables are about table fellowship? How many times do you read about Jesus sitting around a table with other people? Food and eating meals play an important part in the Christian life. So let your children know it, dads. And ladies, don't think of your fixing meals as drudgery. It is an important part of your family's day. And men, let your wife in front of your kids know how much you appreciate that meal she sets before you. Be concerned about the sanctity of that meal. 
gather around the table and talk about spiritual things. And after the meal, read the Bible with your family and explain the Bible. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be in depth. It only needs to be five or ten minutes and then pray with them. That's what civilized Christians do. And that's the best way I know of for a family growing spiritually. And that's what Paul is telling these people. Forget these primitive Christians and how they tell you to live. Your standard for living is the word of God alone. And bear in mind that everything is good. God blesses you. Sanctify everything you do, including all of the meals you eat by prayer and by the word of God. Then Paul gets very direct in verse 6. What I have just been preaching to you was a review of last week. Now in verse 6, Paul is giving direction specifically to the young preacher, Timothy. But in pointing out things to Timothy, he is, of course, pointing things out to us as well. Timothy, as you explain to the brethren what I am explaining to you, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus or a good minister of Christ Jesus. Now, let's notice a few things about the first part of that sentence. In pointing out these things to the brethren, he is assuming that Timothy will preach on these doctrines. He's assuming that Timothy is going to preach on creation, on the book of Genesis, on God's goodness in creation. He's assuming that Timothy will criticize false doctrine. Now, remember, this is a young church. Today, a preacher goes into a young church and basically preaches the ABCs, if that even. He doesn't usually go into technical things or in-depth things like the creation of the world or the goodness of God in foods and institutions. So here Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, don't confine your preaching to the ABCs. Well, that's important, but so are the DEFs and the XYZs. So make sure you preach to them the whole counsel of God. Educate them in the truth from the very start. In other words, Timothy, from the earliest days... Make sure these people have a proper biblical worldview. You see, that's where the church is lacking today. That is where preachers are lacking today. One of the most important things you can do in a church you are starting is not only help people believe the gospel, but help them to think about everything in life from the biblical doctrines, Timothy. Help them have a way of looking at life that is based upon the word of God. Not just when they go to church, but when they go to work, when they go to school, when they do their shopping and in whatever else they do. So that every day of their life, they're always thinking biblically about everything they think about. And that's what preachers are to do. And yet... That is what they are failing to do. Christians think like Christians on Sundays. But Monday through Saturday, they think like every other humanist in America. And Paul says 
in pointing out these things that I've been teaching you that to the brethren, to your brothers and sisters in Christ, you will be a famous servant of Christ Jesus. Does your translation say that? That if someone preaches the whole word of God, they will become a famous minister of Jesus Christ. They'll be a celebrity. No, he doesn't say that. He says, in pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant. Paul doesn't say to Timothy, preach these things if you want a big church and you want to be talked about on the internet. He says, Timothy, preach these things so that you will be a good servant of Christ. And the word servant, we can also translate in the Bible as minister. But notice the servant is also accurate here. So a minister in a church is not a boss. He's not the CEO. He's not the chairman of the board. He is a servant. Elders are not simply managers and governors. They manage and govern by serving, just like the Bible says about Jesus. The Son of Man came not to be saved, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.